0: Start off with a um, there's a, a footnote on Ajahn Jayasaro's term lucid calm, uh, which uh, Ajahn Kachana helpfully produced. It's now stuck together. Yeah. Uh, this is Ajahn Jayasaro's note. Um, the usual translation of the Thai word sangop is peace. And this is correct in most contexts, but when dealing with the practice of meditation, longpo uses the word "sung in ways that can sometimes make the translation problematic for this reason, in a meditation context, it has sometimes been rendered as the unorthodox translation lucid calm oh uh carrying on with this section on ways and means, and this is a subsection called Calm and Insight. And here is um, a sub-subsection called Thinking and Examination. The common Thai word pijarana can mean consider, reflect upon, contemplate, examine or investigate and is found extensively in the teaching of the Thai forest masters. On some occasions, Lumpur equated Pijarana with Dhamma-vijaya, the, quote, investigation of Dhamma, unquote, that arises in dependence on mindfulness and constitutes the second of the seven enlightenment factors, the Bojangha. All Buddhists are encouraged to reflect on, or Pijarna, the truths of old age, sickness, death, the inevitability of separation from all that is loved, and the law of Kama. By doing so again and again, these truths sink into the mind and become elements of the right view, uh, (coughs) capital R, capital V, that must underlie effective meditation practice. Pijarna is also used in the context of discursive meditation practices to mean the examination of a theme of Dhamma in a coherent and disciplined manner. Whereas the nature and role of pijarana in discursive meditations is straightforward, meditators can often doubt the part it plays in developing insight into the three characteristics, which constitutes the culmination of Buddhist meditation practices. What degree of intentionality was Longpo advocating when he instructed his disciples to pijarana, the three characteristics? How could meditators be sure that they were not merely thinking about the three characteristics rather than developing insight into them. Then Lumpur speaks here. It's a little bit hard to appreciate this because of its similarity to mental proliferation. And when thoughts arise, you may assume that your mind is no longer calm. In fact the thoughts and perceptions that occur at this time arise within the calm. Examination that takes place within the calm does not disturb it. Sometimes the body may be taken up for examination. It doesn't mean to say you start thinking or speculating. It's a process that occurs naturally in that state of calm. There's awareness within the calm, calm within the awareness. If it was merely mental proliferation, it wouldn't be calm, it would be disturbing. This isn't proliferation, it's something that appears in the mind as a result of the calm and is called examination, pijarana. Wisdom arises right here. This is an extremely uh, common question, Uh, people ask this uh, uh, over and over again. When you talk about wise reflection or investigation, then it's a very, very uh, familiar question that people ask, well, how is that different from just thinking about things? And um, this is exactly what Ajahn Jayasaro is addressing here, and Lumpur speaks about. And the <coughs> there's a, a categorical difference, a radical difference between those two kinds of, uh, say, mental uh, activity. So, insofar as when um, it is truly investigation or, uh, or wise reflection, the other Pali term used for the same area is. Yoni so manasikara. Now, let's talking about it the other morning in in the morning reflection. So when when it is a genuine quality of investigation and it has, um, as uh, Lumbu is saying here, it takes place within the calm, then there is the active use of uh, of thought, of conceptual um, structures. Uh, a deliberate theme is brought up, um, you know, say, with a, a sentence like. Yeah. Why am I afraid of the dark? Or um, uh, why do I find th- uh, such and such a person really uh, intimidating or uh, annoying? Um, yeah. What uh, on earth is the connection between Sankara and Vijnana? Yeah. So that you're, uh, uh, these are sort of random um, themes that one might pick up and explore. So, yes, you're using uh, words or concepts in, in the mind, but the uh, uh, the quality of uh, of uh, say clarity and the the calmness and the peacefulness that is there is not disturbed by the introduction of those concepts or, or words um, so that one of the the qualities of wise reflection is that there's a uh, a measured um, aspect to it so that the mind is thinking in whole sentences that as a a space or a silence, and then the mind thinks that question: What is the connection between consciousness and and uh, uh, sankara? Uh, how does that work? What is that about? So there's a space. The mind asks that question: How does that? How are those two things related together? Then there's a space. Uh, your mind is thinking in, in whole sentences. It's not um, uh, the the uh, the same at all as the general uh, internal chatter what he's calling proliferation uh, that, that's a, um, a very familiar process for most people so when we, we talk about uh, this in Pali the term is usually papancha, uh, conceptual proliferation where the mind is just uh, uh, racing from one thought to another to another to another and it's the the mind is, is chasing after a sequence of associations and uh, um, is very rarely thinking in <coughs> in whole sentences, and it's a very um, uh, unmindful and sort of random succession of thoughts, where the the quality of wise reflection is not random and it, and it's not uh, di- uh, disorderly and it has a, a particular theme, so that the the two have quite different uh, tones to them, different qualities, so that wise reflection uh, you you might start off with the idea of okay I'm going to do a bit of reflection uh, during this meditation period the the mind is calmed down and then a particular theme is is brought in to be explored but then maybe within a couple of minutes it's sort of uh, the uh, the mind has got lost in that is racing off with one associated thought after another after another after another and so even though you started out with wise reflection it's kind of mutated into conceptual proliferation it's just Drifted into Papancha as the mind got lost in its own thoughts and uh, taken up with with those uh, uh, say as one association after another after another. It's lost its mindfulness and is just swept away by that current of of a proliferative thought. So that's that's very helpful because uh, to to be aware of that and to to notice what's actually going on because you can you can, uh, you can say well I'm I'm doing wise reflection. <laughs> And that's what it says on the tin. But actually, that only lasted for a minute or two and then you, know, you spent the last 20 minutes completely off on a, a, a tangent and lost in your own uh, thoughts and imagination and, and um, unmindfully drifting around in the, the, the realms of, of memory and imagination and so on. So that that quality of mindfulness is essential to say, well, that, what, what is going on here? What is the mind doing? I, I, I said I was going to reflect on this particular theme, but actually I'm totally lost, <laughs> the mind is really carried away. So at that time, then the most helpful thing is to re-establish the quality of calm, to bring the attention back to the posture, to um, say using the meditation object like the, the breath or the, the, uh, the inner sound, <coughs> and to um, reaffirm or reorient uh, 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 the, the attention to the, to the present, to let go of those streams of thoughts, to refocus the, the mind on the, the present moment, wait till everything has calmed down, things are more spacious, and, and then go back to the theme that you, you wanted to explore. po clarified this point in conversation with a visiting group of American Dhamma teachers. He said that ordinary thinking could be distinguished by the fact that, although it might remain focused on a topic, it was coarse and lacking in penetration. When the mind became calm, the examination, pijarana, arose naturally as a kind of awareness that, while possessing some of the characteristics of thinking, was of a different order. Wise reflection on the three characteristics could be distinguished by the fact that it remained uncorrupted by mental proliferation. was always wholesome and caused defilements to fade from the mind. Mere thinking, on the other hand, becomes absorbed by defilements and contributes to their increase. The examination that Lumpur was advocating was <coughs> distinguished by the letting go of attachments. <coughs> Lumpur is speaking here. Ordinary thinking has already been filtered out if you don't know the examination of what it is, it will turn into conceptual thought. If you do know, it will turn into wisdom. That is, it will look on everything that arises as impermanent, unsatisfactory and not self. Also, the, the more that you, you, you practice and the, the more familiar you get with these different aspects of, uh, of mind and, and mental, mental work or mental activity, then it becomes... Uh, uh, <coughs> becomes very familiar so it's almost like you you kind of recognize the tone so a, a piece of you might like hearing a piece of music you might hear a piece of music and think oh that sounds like Bach or that sounds like pop music you know, so you you don't have to hear much before you, you recognize oh that's, that's a piece of classical music or that's just you know, pop music and so that your uh, the, your 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 perception or your attunement of the mind to that mental realm becomes more developed, so that you uh, you more and more easily recognise uh, what's going on, and so that if the mind is drifting into just random conceptual thought, then you think, oh, we started out as Bach and it's drifted into pop music. Okay, so <laughs> that's the that's the sign that, um, that the mind has got, has got lost, and that uh, particularly. Uh, there's, with, with respect to uh, reflective thought, to investigation, um, there's a, 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 an evenness or a measured quality, as a spaciousness to it. So if you are, as you said, you might be following a particular theme, um, uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily, but there's, there's, there's not just like one idea chasing after another. So you might be looking at um, something like fear or aversion or... Say or some conceptual structure like uh, what's the connection between um, uh, feeling and craving, or craving and, and clinging in the dependent origination? And <clears throat> so then you might um, look at one particular aspect. So so then say, okay, well, vedana is feeling. It's a sensation. It's not an emotion, but it's that it's that quality of sensation. So. Um, that's something that is kind of independent of whether it's strong or weak or pleasant or painful. It's just that quality. So, how is it that that changes it into to tanha? What is it that causes that that um, that feeling to condition craving? What is that? How does that work? Pause. And then, <coughs> then maybe, uh, as the mind pauses and is looking at that, then it. Uh, <coughs> the the realization or the the thought pops up Well of course it's because the mind is not seeing clearly when there's avijja, then a pleasant feeling so conditions the the impulse I want, or a painful feeling conditions the impulse I can't I gotta get away from, I can't stand. It depends on there being ignorance in the mix. That's what it is. Aha Pause. So there's a spacious quality, a measured spacious quality to it, as the Investigation proceeds. This wisdom, or wise reflection, he said, would gradually mature into vipassana. In contrast to much contemporary use of the term, Lumpur tended to use vipassana to refer to the insight that arises from wise reflection rather than the reflection itself. Vipassana was not, he said, something contrived, not something you did. Vipassana was uh, the discernment of the three characteristics that arose naturally in the mind when all the necessary causes and conditions for it had been cultivated. The intensity of this clear seeing could vary from a weak insight to a comprehensive vision of the way things are. So this is a a significant point. Um, Though We tend to use the word vipassana as a sort of meditation method and uh, you know, so like people um, will very happily, very regularly talk about. Oh, I was on a vipassana retreat. I, w- I went to this vipassana centre, and it's, so it's a almost like a brand name. It's like that's the, the the type of meditation. That's a particular mode of practice, or it's a particular um, centre that does does this sort of meditation. And so that it's really using the word vipassana to describe a, a method. So there's there's the the applying of the method is one thing is something that you do but as the point he's making here is that that uh, cha pretty much exclusively used the term to refer to the insight that arises from having applied the method so when when that method is is um, used then the insight is the is the change of heart that happens when the mind sees, thing clear, sees things clearly so uh, the the word is, is often um, used very interchangeably, but I also recognize that's a, a very different thing. So, that the vipassana as a method is one thing, and the vipassana, of, which is a, a real change of heart, is another. So, that you can be sitting in meditation or doing your sitting or walking and actively using those reflections on the Nietzsche dukkha anatta. So, you're doing the method, but actually. <laughs> Not experiencing any insight at all. There's no. There's no real change of heart. There's no sort of oh yeah. Of course, it's not self. How could it be self? Uh, How could it be something that is me and mine? Aha. That there's no aha. There can be a sort of diligent application of it's a nietzsche. It's a nietzsche. It's a nietzsche. Oh, this is not self. All you know. All these thoughts are not self. These feelings are not self. So that the energy and effort can be put into applying the method, but if it isn't applied very skillfully or if it's applied in a, a mechanical way, then there's the, the method of the as being uh, enacted, but it's not producing the, the actual change of vision. That the, the, the word literally means seeing into. Uh, the, uh, it doesn't actually change the way the mind uh, sees into the nature of experience. And so that um, that uh, is you know, something that is uh, important to be uh, aware of. The, the point of applying the method is the change of heart, not just uh, applying the method. It's like, it's like if you spend all your time uh, cooking in the kitchen but never actually a- ate any of the food that you've been, you're cooking. It's like, well, <laughs> the point of the food is to, to nourish the body. So uh, applying the method is, is uh, like cooking the food. And then the insight that arises from it is actually eating the food and being nourished by it. So that it's the the change of vision, the change of, of view, the change of heart that occurs through that s- clearly seeing. Oh, this is un- things are uncertain. This can't, this can't permanently satisfy. Oh, or well, this this couldn't be a self or belong to a self. Oh, so it's really that. Oh, that's the the point of the whole thing, and that's that, and. So, as Ajahn Jayasara is saying here, that's what uh, Lumpur Chow would use the, the term vipassana to refer to that, uh, the change of heart rather than the methodology. Any questions, thoughts, reflections so far? Yes. Um, yeah, relates to the point. I have a difficulty if I reflect a lot, then the mind tends to get very energized and um, can actually just like r- really start to get into the thinking thinking process and can maybe pick up creative ideas and just um, just gets really into thinking a, a lot. So it becomes more and more just the main the main thing it can be kind of wholesome thoughts on a on a particular topic, but then. Like uh, find it difficult to sleep, and particularly it happens on on retreats, and it's kind of difficult to get past. I just wonder is the the way to do it to reflect on the drawbacks of, of thinking, or or to just uh, well, it, it, it's going to vary from one person one person to another. Um, part of the um, uh, I mean the 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 role of mindfulness in, in that is knowing that that is a uh, is a trait or seeing that that's what happens regularly so to to mindfully cater for that and to to recognize okay well uh, this is what tends to happen so um, then along the way with doing that kind of investigation or seeing that there's that energizing quality then to just stop and just um, for a certain periods of time to just Bring the attention into the body to relax uh, the the body to to bring a lot of calmness and the quality of ease. Let the whole sort of energy of the system settle down and to uh, be more the um, uh, tranquil, uh, and then um, make a particular effort to 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 do that and to give time for that, and then see what the result of that is. So that if that because often the, when the, the the attention is going into the mental world, then there's a the body is also contributing to the the uh, the, the mind state. So it can often be that there's uh, the way the body is being held. There's a lot of tension or, or um, a lot of energy moving around in the body, and so that can be fueling the, the level of mental activity. And uh, even though it might be very bright or very coherent and, and useful, then uh, it's like this, you know. You're you're running on a sort of high octane fuel here. So just to <laughs> to, to reduce the the, the the flow of fuel and to just let the system calm down and see what the effect of that is. Also, if you if you feel like you've got the um, oh, there's some you know really interesting uh, thoughts and insights to to reflect upon, get a notebook, write them down. Close the book and put it away. <laughs> so don't think that you've got to, to sort of keep following every every uh, every thought or every every insight up um, then and there. But just jot jot a few things down and say, okay, well, that that can be looked at later. Just write a few points down, close the book, put it away, and then you know relax. Before I try to write everything down, it gets too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, a few a few uh, a few headings. Otherwise it could be a, a long nights. <laughs> oh, look, it's the my alarm's just gone off. Still you know pen in hand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, I am I the Rich and Poor bringing up um, thoughts or um, ideas um, say, here, and, um, and uh, so I've been with that, and, but I've also experienced times where I've tried to bring situations into mind and it's, it's felt very, very calm, it's like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's working, there's nothing actually happening, I'm just and I, I, I'm wondering if it is sort of related, related to this, and, and that it's been very calm and there's just been kind of no reaction. I just haven't got to the answer stage yet. Um, but does that mean that when you are working with asking questions or trying to bring up, um, explore, say, craving, aversion, um, that it should always be in the calm situation, or is it worth still exploring, bringing up those um, emotions and um, letting them rise and subside?
0: Well, the <coughs> the um, <coughs> the um, the framework of calm can be can be there, and then you, you can bring up the the. Emotion or the memory or the the idea of the thing that's irritating or frightening or whatever within that and so that the uh, the, the one doesn't exclude the other and so that uh, the uh, often I I talk about that investigation of of emotion um it's 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 usually m- uh, more effectively done in sitting meditation rather than in walking because if you're walking it tends to you get sort of stirred up, and then more. In, it's it's more difficult to not get involved in all the story. So um, the very framework of sitting still with your eyes closed, the body relaxed, and then establishing a quality of calm to begin with. It's like, okay, you've 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 uh, cleared out all the the rubbish in the room. The furniture's all where it ought to be. The place has been hoovered. It's all sort of clean and tidy. Okay, now you've got a clear space. Okay, now you can you can bring in that troublesome now you're ready to invite the troublesome neighbour in or the, you, know, you, can, you can bring that, that particular thing into that space so that um, bringing up that, um, uh, the, that thing that um, makes you anxious or, that, uh, or that, uh, a memory of a particular uh, encounter that was, that was very difficult or challenging or, or something that you're very uh, obsessed with, whatever the, the emotion might be so that you're, you, you put a certain amount of time into creating the, the mental space, and then that uh, establishes a context so that when you, if you bring up that a memory or that thought or bring that person's face to mind, the one that you're, you 're know, irritated by or uh, worried about or so on, then um, that um, would uh, customarily would trigger an, an emotion if what you're saying is that <coughs> when you bring that to mind that, that uh, there's not an emotional reaction then okay we'll sort of make the imagine make the memory stronger you know tell a bit more of the story um and to of in a sense deliberately bring the attention closer into the that particular detail or what or what's the cause of it being upsetting or exciting or frightening or whatever so that you're it's not just enough to think of a person's name but you have to sort of, oh, uh, it was that, uh, that Saturday in 2001, that, 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 that dreadful day, yeah, and uh, thinking of the place or the time, or the, you know, adding a bit more of the story and then uh, deliberately triggering the, the, uh, the, the emotional reaction to the extent possible. Um, so, uh, it, uh, as I often say, it's good to experiment and to see to see, um, to see how, uh, uh, to, uh, how to direct things in order to, to bring about that kind of mixture. But the, uh, the ideal is having that framework of calmness or clarity and then letting the emotional um, reaction sort of take place within that and then particularly to notice the physical sensations that go with that. And that's that's the point of it is to not to get lost in the story, but to having triggered that emotion, then to to be able to bring attention to the the feelings of heat or or stress or tightness or uh, heaviness or whatever it might be that that goes with that emotional state. Mm. Yeah,
1: yesterday you mentioned about um, sort of, sort of being a non-self into it as well, sort of my um, fear, my Anger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what about when you, um, and maybe not quite skilled
0: enough, and you go, Well, yes, it is my. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, it, uh, that's the. <clears throat> I would say that the the reflections to to um, develop the insight into not self uh, is a, a slightly different approach. Mm-hmm. And so, with this, um, in a way, you're you are launching those kind of emotional states because of you know this is mine this is my body i am i'm am, like with there are those reflections i'm with the nature to age i'm with the nature to sick and i'm with the nature to die you know all that is all that is mine beloved and pleasing will become otherwise you're starting off deliberately from that place of of in uh, of uh reactivity and uh, and self view so that you you deliberately um Bringing that up to it to explore that to see how the mind gets lost in the in those states, so it's a bit more of a of a I'll say of a, a refined level or a bit of a different approach to then be um, consciously using that reflections about not self to get a, uh, a more um, um, refined or or um, uh, clearer picture. Because, for this uh, investigation of emotion, you're looking at the areas where you do get stuck. Where there is a me who's got this problem, or this thing, or this obsession, or whatever. That So that you're deliberately starting with, with that, so that more of the... Um, that where you know your mind gets lost very easily. And so that the uh, the reflections are, are not self, we're using those kind of questions like, you know, who who owns this, this feeling, or who is... Uh, who does this mind belong to, or uh, what is it that's aware of this, those kind of... It's a a bit more of a refined level, that's after recognizing that um, yeah, this body's going to die, but it doesn't have an owner. Uh, Do you see what I mean? So that's a a different level of of non-attachment. But you're you're using this conscious investigation of emotion to look at the areas where you know that the mind gets lost, that it really is um, stuck in a particular uh, area. Okay. The degree of calm necessary before this investigation of the three characteristics Could take place was not measurable. When Lampore was asked how much calm is needed he replied as much as is necessary. (laughs) In other words meditators were to proceed by trial and error and closely observe the results of their efforts until they knew for themselves. If the contemplation degenerated into mental proliferation then the mind was obviously not strong enough to do the work of wisdom. Meditators had different faculties. Some people found it easy to let go of thinking, but found that the very qualities that made such letting go possible also retarded the cultivation of wisdom. Others, of a more reflective bent, found that their mind's gift for contemplation prevented them from entering deep states of samadhi, but they were able to penetrate the truth through a close, focused attention on the conditioned nature of phenomena. To illustrate this point, Lumpur (coughs) adapted two terms from the suttas, vimuti, liberation of mind, and Panyavimuti, liberation through wisdom. He applied these terms to two paths of practice, one that emphasized the power of mind, i.e. samadhi, and the other that emphasized wisdom. While wisdom liberation character types were especially sharp and perceptive, the mind liberation character types needed to take their time and go over the same ground many times before they understood. He gave an analogy. This is Lumpur speaking. It's like two people going to look at a cloth pattern for a few minutes. One of them understands the pattern immediately and can go away and reproduce it from memory. This is a liberation through wisdom type. The other person, the mind liberation character, has to sit and ponder on the details of the pattern and go back for further checks. With mind liberation, you have to work with the mind a fair amount. You have to develop quite a lot of samadhi. The first person doesn't need to do all that. He looks at the design, understands the principle, then goes off and draws it himself. He has no doubts. Both paths reach the goal, but they have different features. Liberation through wisdom is always accompanied by mindfulness and alertness. When anything emerges in the mind, then it knows. It knows, and then lets go with ease. The mind liberation person can't see things as they emerge in that way. He has to investigate them, which is also a valid path. Know your own character. In the first case, some people may not realize there is samadhi present. You walk along observing, and samadhi, meaning firm stability of mind, is inherently present. For someone with wisdom, it's not difficult. He just develops enough samadhi to create a foundation. It's like, this, it's like students reaching grade 12 at school. Now they can choose which subject they want to specialize in. Whoever wants to go on to study agriculture does that, and so on. It's the point of separation. Samadhi is the same. It reaches its destination in this same way. So I think it's also helpful that Ajahn Jayasaro says that Lumpur adapted those two terms because he would, uh, he would uh, say riff on those particular themes or areas um, from the suttas or the, the teachings and the, also the characteristics of the, the great disciples. The, the Buddha's two chief disciples, um, Venerable Sariputta and Venerable Mahamoggallana, were, were quite different characters. So um, uh, Sariputta had a very analytical mind. And so there's, there's a, a, um, a lot of suttas uh, given by uh, Sariputta, and he had this very acute and uh, thorough analysis of, of different mind states. And he was quite an adept meditator, he was good at, at, at meditation, but he, he had um, no psychic powers whatsoever. But he had a very analytical and um, the, uh, intricate um, understanding of, of how mind states worked. And the, the Buddha said of Sariputta, he said it's like uh, a rich person with um, cupboards full of, of clothes. And they can choose what clothes they want to wear in the morning, what they want to wear at midday, what they want to wear in the afternoon, what they want to wear in the evening. Sariputta is exactly the same. He can just choose what mind state he wants to abide in. He can just like he can, so choosing the clothes out of a trunk, he can just sort of pick what the, where he wants to put his mind in meditation and just, and just go there. He's very, very adept. And also... Um, when uh, uh, I, I, I forget where it is in the suttas, but uh, there's one point where um, Sariputta gives an explanation uh, and very thorough and comprehensive. And the Buddha said it's like uh, Sariputta's explanation is like if you took a spoonful of water and you explain where every, every molecule of the water has come from. You know, Sariputta's understanding is, 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 is as comprehensive and as uh, acute as that. Uh, there are almost no Dhamma talks given by Mahamogalana. Uh, there are sort of stories about him, visiting the heavens and the hells and such like, but he was not uh, uh, someone who uh, was uh, uh, given to a lot of uh, uh, analytical thinking or a a conceptual understanding. So I don't think there's uh, there's any Dhamma talks and any suttas given by Mahamoggallana in the whole Pali canon. There's um, there's a few comments that he makes, but uh, no sort of... Uh, actual explanations or, or, or thorough teachings as, as um, given by Venerable Sariputta. And so that oftentimes Lumpur would talk about these two as representing the... the uh, Sariputta re- representing the Way of Wisdom, the, the panya Vimutti type, and then uh, Mahamogalana representing the Chaitavimuti type. And in their own training, it took uh, Mahamogalana a week to become an Arahant, and it took Sariputta two weeks. And also Sariputta, he became an arahant while he was fanning the Buddha. He sort of say it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, he wasn't in a in a state of of deep concentration or anything. He was just standing behind the Buddha, listening to the Buddha's discourse and fanning him to keep away the mosquitoes and keep him cool, and uh, reached full enlightenment while he was fanning the Buddha. So those two are the kind of character types. So that. Um, uh, many Westerners are conditioning is towards the paññāvi-mūti, uh, learning to, to read and write at an early age and going to, um, uh, through a, the school system. Even if you think you weren't very good at, at, at school, you didn't pass your you know, exams very well or didn't pass them at all, that still, having to go to school <laughs> uh, every day, spending so many hours learning to read and write and putting your mind onto all sorts of different subjects, <coughs> from the age of about three or four all the way up to when you're 16 or 17, um, th- that has a big impact. We, it's conditioning the mind heavily to, to conceptual thought, gathering information, presenting information. Um, and so the, the conditioning of most Westerners is very much the, the Panyavimuti type. And the um, ability to concentrate, for, again, for many Westerners, is, is quite limited because of... Um, uh, the mind has been uh, encouraged to be dodging around, <laughs> juggling concepts, and uh, being busy, busy, busy for for many, many years. So, oftentimes, the uh, in, the experience would be that the um, the uh, the westerners would have a great deal of uh, difficulty trying to concentrate the mind or develop any kind of deep samadhi. And for the, the, even the local villagers, not even the, the the monastics, the nuns or monks from from the local area, but also the villages themselves would often have much, much stronger Samadhi than the um, than the, the Western uh, Sangha members. And that's probably still exactly the case today. <laughs> um, so that the... Uh, but uh, Lumpur Chah, because he emphasized that quality of wise reflection so much and didn't... Um, didn't have the uh, opinion or didn't have the, the sort of Put it across like, you, know, you can't develop insight until you've reached fourth jhana, um, which uh, some schools or some some uh, monasteries, some teachings you know, talk about that. Uh, uh, that kind of a, as a sort of an article of faith. You no, know, you can't possibly develop vipassana until you reach fourth jhana. Then, uh, <coughs> Lumpur Chow was was very uh, very differently, as you said, you. How much calm is needed as much as is necessary, <laughs> so he would work with people as they are rather than oh this is the, this is the form everyone has to fit into this particular uh, model this is this is the um, uh, this is the, the standard. if you don't fit into this this model this this format, then you're not doing it right, but rather you know was much more ready to to work with people as they are, and so because he emphasized wise reflection so much that's probably why. We're all here. <laughs> the, uh, the, there's so many Westerners who drew close to Ajahn Chah, and there's so many branch monasteries, of, uh, branch monasteries of his, around the world because that approach of uh, you know if you're a Panyavimuti type, if you've got a lot of intellectual activity and uh, intellectual flexibility, then then you rather than thinking oh if only my mind would shut up and I could get I could get concentrated, then I could really practice. Say well if if, if your mind is doing a lot of of uh, uh, say, uh, observing and recognizing the patterns of how things work together, like uh, this example of looking at a piece of cloth. If, if your mind is going to, to do that, then rather than thinking, I'll oh, just shut up and be quiet, just... <laughs> uh, if you just could be completely still, then I could practice. So don't think that way. If, if your mind is doing that, put that capacity to act to work, make it work for you. Don't think of it as a, an obstacle, but um, make it work for you. And so there's also an, uh, expressions that he would use that, uh, again, are somewhat derived from the suttas and the commentaries, which is wet enlightenment and dry enlightenment. So again, he would uh, the examples were Sariputra and Moggallana because venerable Sariputra, he was uh, uh, a very accomplished meditator, but he had no psychic powers whatsoever. Um, and that would be the dry enlightenment. so lots of wisdom, but no psychic powers. And then the wet enlightenment was the, um, uh, as exemplified by Venerable Mahamoggallana, who um, had a lot of, uh, uh, was also an adept meditator, but had lots of, of psychic powers. And so, I have heard it said. I don't, I don't know if Ajahn Jaya quotes it here, but uh, that uh, Cha specifically said on a number of occasions my My method is is uh, the method of uh, sariputra it 's the dry enlightenment so if you want psychic powers and you want to develop that stuff, go somewhere else because i 'm the, I'm the dry enlightenment track <laughs> again that that's sort of come down through through hearsay um, i don 't remember hearing him say it myself, but I have heard that I have heard it said that he said that <laughs> um, and uh, but that will be very characteristic because he also um, as in their reading yesterday or the day before he uh, talked about psychic powers and, and visions and sort of um, be aware of what you perceive as a of the crust of the lucid calm Just don't, don't make much of that, out of all of that stuff um, and, uh, when you see a nimitta, then shift attention to look directly at your mind don't abandon this basic principle don't run after externals because if you do then the image will just keep on expanding and so on so he de-emphasized that um, visionary, um, magical side of things and uh, generally avoided even talking about that. That People are often very excited about magic and colorful things, past life experiences and, and so on. But he tended to, to um, uh, play that down as much as possible and uh, emphasized instead the, the, uh, the work of, of, uh, of developing wisdom. So if you um, uh, if you look for those kind of definitions of Chaitavimuti and Panya Vimuti in this way, in the canon, you won't really find it. This is also uh, more a particular way that Lumpur Chah, um used those terms or developed them. You'll find that you find the terminology, but the exact way that Lumpur used them is kind of unique to him. But it was uh, also was just trying to... Uh, use uh, uh, a way of describing character types um, and um, to, to, uh, uh, also to encourage people to, to use what they've got rather than thinking, oh, if, I, if only I was somebody else, then everything would be great. Which is, it's easy to think that way. <laughs> if only I wasn't me, it would be great. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather be a Chaito Vimuti type than a Panya Vimuti type. I could just get this thing to shut up. let be. Uh, just be, um, everything to be quiet, that would be great. Meanwhile, the people who have a very quiet mind, if only I could just actually (laughs) uh, understand things a bit better, if only I didn't have to just repeat things over and over and over again before I I could see how the patterns fit together, that would be great. So rather than wishing we were somebody else who had a different character, then it's uh, also the encouragement that Lumpur would give to be, Use what you've got. Use the way you are. Don't don't um, uh, say look uh, look down on that. But rather, if you have a particular characteristic, put it to work. And uh, even though I was making a bit of a sweeping statement about westerners and concentration, it's often that people uh, westerners who do have uh, strong powers of concentration. It's often people who have. Um, had a, a way of life or an education that is like a, a it involves non-conceptual concentration. So, um, people who have done a lot of, of sports, we need a lot of physical discipline. Um, musicians, like a, uh, if you're a, a, a concert pianist or violinist or something, uh, sometimes dancers again, there's a, a lot of concentration I- is needed and. Uh, a, a, a concentration based on the body rather than based on, on concepts, um, and so that uh, often people who have had those kind of disciplines or that, that background, then the the work of concentration comes much much more easily to them. Not always, you say. Well, I'm a musician and my mind's all over the place. So <laughs> it's a generalisation, but um, that uh, that uh, it seems to have a. a have its have its effect if you've done a lot of concentration, but based around concepts or or, or, or you know, uh, mathematical equations or um, say, well, I concentrated a lot. I was I could sit down and play video games for fourteen hours without moving. Like, <laughs> yes, but there's a lot of colour and noise and activity and you know, agitation there that's sort of <laughs> gripping your attention and competing against the the other person. Um, so that uh, the um, uh, the encouragement really is to to um, uh, not think of an active mind or the the, the mind's uh, ability to recognize patterns or to be imaginative to not think of that as necessarily an obstruction or an op- a, a, a defilement but rather something that uh, can be supportive of the of the practice and if it's if there's a basis of of calm if there's a, the mind is able to concentrate to a, a certain degree then um, that the the acuity or the the sharpness of the the wisdom faculty can be of a, um, a tremendous benefit there's a famous talk given by uh, by uh, Ajahn Mahabur, called wisdom develops samadhi which is uh, really ab- about that and um, whereas classically it was would be said samadhi uh, supports wisdom or, or that wisdom depends on on samadhi then uh, he flipped it around and in that particular talk which is one of the very first things of his that was put into english uh, way back in the early 60s uh, wisdom develops samadhi it talks about how the use of reflective wisdom is something that uh, along the way, that you can use that analytical or uh, capacity of the mind to recognize patterns and relationships to more quickly see the mind getting lost, getting, recognizing where the mind gets distracted, um, steering away from obstacles or, or uh, working quickly to, to let go of, of attachments and entanglements. And uh, it's one of those great classics of the forest tradition. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I think even Thomas Merton, the Christian monk, referred it to it as a, a spiritual masterpiece. It was print originally. The original English was was published in about 1963, 64. Wisdom develops samadhi. Are there any other questions, reflections? Yes. Do you think that it is?
1: Um, like, um, like 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 worth um, cultivating like the other side of, of what we're lacking. So for me for instance like I'm noticing like I am terrible at concentration. Um, I have a really like inquisitive mind and I'd rather just sit with the experience and, and notice what arrives through there. As soon as I um, focus with concentration then just it, it just I, I find it really difficult but I've been finding or thinking like um, that that was that was important to develop that smartly. Mm-hmm. do you do you think it's it's better to just because I feel like there's a kind of a fight <laughs> in um, and um, yeah and
0: so yeah, that's one question. Can we well, just do that one first, shall we? Yeah. Um, well, it's rather than a fight, I would say use the language of a balancing act. Mm. It's a balancing act because um, you can recognise your own disposition, your own character. But if you always play to your strong suit, you know, you always just choose what's easiest for you, mm. then. Um, you don't develop skills in the area where you're, uh, where you, you are weak, and that, and a bit of skill, a bit of, of um, strength there would, would indeed be very helpful. So that um, if you always uh, take the track, the, the, the tack that is simplest and, and so most convenient or or, or is uh, unchallenging. Then it, it, uh, you can develop weaknesses that way, and so sometimes it's helpful to go against the grain and to to uh, make an effort to develop skills or qualities that uh, it's it's not easy for you to do, and so that um, uh, just like uh, with a, a musician, you know that the, a, a musician might know that they they favour their right hand or their left hand, or that they they're always a um, uh, a little bit more more flexible or a bit more um attuned with uh, and so then they would deliberately do exercises to to get the 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 weak hand more uh, more agile or, or more um kind of up to speed or or sort of more um, uh, in a balance with the with the, the the strong hand or the one that they're they're most adept with so um it's a, yeah, I would say it's a balancing act rather than a, the, than a fight um, and that the, uh, but the, the, the main point is not to get too obsessed about, oh, oh uh, I have to have fourth jhana before I can, it's not, it's not really insight. I've read this book that told me it isn't really vipassana unless you develop fourth jhana, oh therefore I should put all my attention on, on, on developing jhanas because otherwise nothing is, is worthwhile. So that's a really, I would say that's a really extreme view, and that uh, if your disposition is one, the mind is very kind of in, it likes to investigate, it likes to analyze, and then the the result of that is is very illuminating, very liberating. Then don't ignore that. You know, make it work for you, but put some effort into developing concentration and seeing well, what are the things that that help the mind to be more concentrated? What what can I do to to strengthen that, you know, the, the the weak hand, and so on, and uh, just to see it in that light, and um, uh, the um, uh, the important thing then is just is also to see the results of the effort that you make. So even if you realise, okay, well, I've really been working at this quite hard, trying to get more concentration, and it's like. Maybe is a little bit better rather than thinking oh it's totally used. it's a, all a waste of time I shouldn't be bothered. say, so, okay, well, it's a, a little bit better. There's there's some there's some value in that. Yeah, um, to be working with the actual results of what you do rather than the idea ideas about it. Oh, I, the, it's only worthwhile doing if I'm going to get really good at it. I want I don't want to be wasting my time or it's it's. Uh, if you come at a uh, meditation practice from a theoretical position of what I should be doing or what the book says I should do, or I should get, then you're always a bit disconnected from the practice. And so uh, one of the, the great values of Lumpur Chow's approach is that, well, you, you, know, you try things out, you see for yourself. Is it working, is it not working? Uh, you, you figure out what the obstacles are, you figure out what the benefits are. By watching it, how it works for yourself, rather than coming from a a theory, you're coming from the the practical experience of it, and that uh, you're you're um, working with your mind, you know, know, your character, so on, (coughs) rather than starting off with an idea of how it should be, or the book said, or or in this dhamma talk I heard. Um, So that uh, I feel is is important to kind of trust your own experience, and. because sometimes we can, um, uh, we can have an idea. Oh, I should be like this, or should be like. Oh, if I if I get concentration, then it would mean this, this, and this. And um, you know, you can uh, be really disconnected from from uh, what you're actually experiencing. So, for example, uh, many years ago, I was living in a in a a monastery, and um, it was a small place, and uh, there was a uh, there was a uh, a few people uh, came to visit uh, um, and were asking questions about, about meditation, concentration, and um, <clears throat> the the junior monk made this comment. Um, uh, well, you know, I don't know anything at all about jhana, um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know my uh, my uh, my experience of meditation is is not very strong. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a junior monk. I don't know anything about jhana, but um, you know, in the books it says like it says it's like this, and then the senior monk turned to him and says, "What are you talking about?" You couldn't possibly sit as still as you do if you didn't have at least first or second jhana, yeah? That'd be ridiculous. And the the senior the, the monk went, Re- "Oh, really?" <laughs> because he kind of had that label of I, "I'm no good at concentration." Um, but from the from the outside, and then the, the senior monk said, "Well, look, you know, so um, you know, you say you you haven't got any experience of, of jhana or concentration, but you know that." Uh, and he kind of walked him through the meditation practice, you know, do you experience... Uh, uh, okay, you, you can feel the mind being distracted, but do you know that you're distracted? Well, yeah. Duh! <laughs> that like, uh, okay, things are coming up, but, uh, but you're not hanging on to them, you're aware that the mind is, is, is getting caught up by particular objects, or is, atten- is noticing particular objects, but you're fully aware, moment by moment, that uh, that's what the mind is doing. And so, kind of the, there was it was an interesting conversation. You know, the senior monks sort of walked him through it, and, said, and he realised, oh, oh right, all yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I'm doing a lot better than I thought I was. You know. yeah. it, was it was quite sweet, really. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am a swan, you know. And, but you know, you, so you get you, we tell ourselves these stories. Like, I'm no good at this, or oh, I'm, I'm hopeless at that, or I'm really this is my this is my uh, this is something I'm really good at. And we just believe those stories as a matter of course. And so that encouragement of, uh, of Lumpur Cha is like, well, what's actually happening here? You, you tell yourself that, but uh, what, what's, what's really going on? Well, like the story I was telling a, uh, a, a few days ago about uh, the young Ajahn Sumedha going to, to Lumpur Cha and saying, Yeah, my mind is so filled with defilements. I'm so angry and jealous and restless. And, you know, I should leave Wapapong because I'm polluting the atmosphere here. You know, I'm, just, I'm sort of dragging the whole place down with my poisonous uh, emotions and thoughts. And, and, uh, and Lumpur Chan said, you know, if you, were, if you were as horrible as you, as you think you are, you wouldn't want to come anywhere near a monastery, let alone be a Buddhist monk. <laughs> you know, you, if you were really as evil and as horrible as, as you think you are, that uh, you, you, know, you would run away from, from a Buddhist monk rather than want to actually be one. You know, that uh, and uh, again, pointing to this story of like, I'm useless. My mind is filled with defilements. I'm so angry. I'm so restless, and completely ignoring all of his good qualities. He said yes, Sumato, you're a good person. You love goodness, don't you? Said, yes. Right. <laughs> don't, don't don't ignore that. So that um, part of the the value of wise reflection is uh, that looking directly at what we're experiencing and. And you know, you can we can get very self-critical and and uh, say negative about our own uh, lustfulness or fearfulness or anger or jealousy and anxiety and things, and feel oh it's, you know it's, uh, I'm such a terrible person I'm really all over the place and forget the fact that you, you know, you've chosen to come and live in a Buddhist monastery <laughs> to spend your time helping others and training your mind. That, those are very noble and skillful intentions. They're, they're things that are very very fine human uh, qualities that you're endeavoring to put energy into. But um, we can forget that altogether. You know, we can, we can uh, ignore the fact that we're, you know, none of us are stealing anything, none of, you know, we're not killing anything, we are ex- ex- you know, ex- extremely respectful of other people's property, their personal space, how we speak. It's amazing that we, we uh, have such high standards as, as human beings. But we can completely ignore that. that oh, my mind's all over the place. I'm, t- I'm a mess, I'm a mess, I'm a mess. Compared to the other 99.9% of the population, you know, you're not a mess. <laughs> so that we forget that. And, we th- and so that bringing the attention to, well, what brought me through the gate here in the first place? What makes goodness attractive? Why, why is peace attractive? Why, why is peace I- interesting? Why is uh, the, a fewness of needs or a, 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 um, a mind free of, 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 uh, of craving? Why, why is that attractive? Why is that interesting? And to look at that, to, see, to, to really exp- use that quality of reflection to, to look at our own motivation and to not just believe those stories we tell ourselves all the time. Okay? And amazingly, the hour has gone by once again, so I'll, I'll leave it there for today.